Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Uh, this is temporary. Um, we have a busy week ahead of us. Uh, Dr. Kapik is in chapel on Wednesday. And Friday, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but Campus Preview Weekend uh, is this weekend. So Mountain Affair will be uh, Friday evening. And this will be coming down and then going back up for Mountain Affair. Um, it is a privilege to introduce our speaker for this morning. Um, you know those commercials where it's the most, in most interesting man in the world drinking beer? If he ever, like, dies and they need a new one. Our speaker um, could fit in beautifully. He's a published author. He has served as the chief, chief operating officer and chief financial officer at the Air Force Academy, where he was also an associate professor of history. Uh, in addition to those roles, uh, John was also a senior pilot in the Air Force, serving as an instructor and a transport pilot. Um, he is the only one of my friends that has directed the airlift of nuclear weapons throughout the European theater and the only one of my friends who regularly orders his Thai food as hot as they will make it. He says, not American hot, Thai hot. He is a faithful follower of Jesus. He is an encourager of his friends and colleagues, uh, and we are grateful that the Lord has called him to use his gifts in our community as the director of the Center for Calling and Career. He and his wife Paula have five awesome children and are members at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. We are thrilled that he's speaking to us this morning. Please join me in welcoming Dr. John Plating. You guys are very kind, so thank you for that warm welcome. Um, it was funny, last night uh, I was getting some texts on my phone, giving people, um, students, giving me suggestions for what I should talk about today. Um, why don't you let us watch a movie, uh, was one. My favorite one was, why don't you randomly pick a student in the audience, have them give you an idea, and then you talk about it for chapel. <laughs> So I've decided not to do that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I do actually, before I get into the meat of our time this morning, I want to um, just do a couple housekeeping measures or a couple administrative type things. Um, I, I do direct the Center for Calling a Career. Uh, one of the things that I do want to put a plug in for is the new um, career services platform that we have partnered with, the company that we partner with called Handshake in order to give you guys opportunities to look for jobs, to look for employment, to look for internships and all sorts of things. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so, to uh, activate your Handshake account. You have one by virtue of the fact that you're a Covenant student. Um, what does that look like? Let me see here. Well, I think we're going to get blocked out. Yeah, it looks like that. So, um, now if you just go to, actually, the easiest way to do this is if you just go to the Covenant homepage, under one of the Scotts links is Handshake, and if you go to that, it will pull up your page, and you can start filling in your profile. Um, Handshake knows certain things about you because it links with Banner, um, but if you can enrich that profile, then Handshake will actually start pushing job opportunities towards you. And rather than you searching for everything, it will push things to you. Um, it's sort of magic like that. Um, and so I want to encourage you to, to, to make use of this. It doesn't take, it's, it's very Facebookish, 
in the way that it looks and the way that it interacts with you. It's also, um, don't do this in chapel, but you can, you can pull up things on your, on your phone. Um, so they have an iPhone iOS, or an iOS um, app that you, can, that you can get on your phone. One other thing to mention too, some of, you might, um, some of you might be independently wealthy and you don't need to worry about uh, making extra money, but some of you might be looking for odd jobs. Our office routinely gets contacted by folks on the mountain. We're looking for people to do all sorts of things, whether it's babysitting or lawn mowing or, or, or software fixing or things like that. We post those jobs on Handshake. And so you can actually get all those things and you can reply to those things and contact those employers and make some extra money. So I just want to encourage you in that way there. So, enough on that. Um, what do I want to talk about this morning? Um, I have had a chance, I've been here for almost three years now, and I've had a chance to talk to hundreds of students about different things um, that they're thinking about, really in the realm of career, thinking about life after graduation, thinking about how to prepare for that, thinking about usually, usually the conversation um, has a student who's concerned, who's worried, um, who's in some ways very scared. And so um, I've had a chance to share different things, and as I've thought about what, um, this is falling off, I am, uh, I was feeling like Beyonce a minute ago, <laughs> but I don't anymore. So, am I doing this right? Can you hear me? I'll tell you what, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go to plan B, guys, so I'm going to take this off. Can you still hear me? Great. Um, the one thing that I, uh, as, I've, as I've thought about students that I've had a chance to interact with throughout my time here, I thought that um, our discussions um, and what I end up trying to encourage them in and exhort them in tend to um, sort of spin down to about three different, three, three words of encouragement that I want to share with them. Um, and what I want to do today is, is share those three words with you. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get to all three of them. If we only get to the first one, that's okay. Um, but I just, my, my, my goal here this morning is, uh, these are not sage bits of advice, um, but my goal here is to encourage you in the truth is to encourage you in the reality of God's presence in your lives, in his sovereignty, as he is, as he is, as he is growing his kingdom and as he's using his people to do that. And my, my goal is to encourage you, not so much as the, center for the, the director for the Center for Calling a Career or a guy who's had a chance to do some, um, some fun things in the past, but it's really to encourage you as an older brother uh, encourage you to faithfulness, to encourage you that the truths in the scriptures that God reveals to us are in fact true. And so what I want to do is um, go to Joshua chapter 1. Okay, let's see here. Joshua chapter 1. And of course, the context of this, if you're not familiar, of course, this is sort of a well-known story, but Joshua is, has assumed the mantle from Moses. Moses has 
taken the people of God, the Israelites, through the desert. Um, he's led them for 40 years. Um, they stayed in the desert because of their disobedience and their unfaithfulness. Um, and now Joshua has really a new generation that's with him that he is leading, and he has recently, um, Moses has recently died, and Joshua is now going to assume the mantle, and, and the Lord is speaking to him. And I think the words that the Lord speaks to Joshua have a connection with the words that students, the struggles that people are, that you guys and gals might be dealing with as you think about life after covenant. And so that's why I want to I camp here just for a minute. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving them, the sons of Israel. And so they were, they were camped on the east side of the Jordan River. Um, hundreds of thousands of people were there. Joshua was going to lead them, and the Lord is saying... Um, you are going to be the one that's going to be doing this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given you um, just as I spoke to Moses. And so he's affirming him right off the bat that wherever you go, I'm going to give you that land. And then he tells him, he gives him sort of a, he, he describes what that land will look like in terms of the geographical boundaries of that. What is the, where's the east and the west and the north and the south of this? What, what does that look like in terms of, uh, what, what are the geographical markings of that? And then in verse 5, the Lord says this. He says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So the first point, the first, the first emphasis item that the Lord is speaking to, Moses, to Joshua about is that I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is not a small thing. This is... This is, in a sense, this is, a, this, is, this is the whole thing right here. The Lord promises his presence with Joshua. Right off the bat, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. In verse 6, he continues, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Because I am with you, be strong and courageous. When we hear those words, and especially if we think about the setting here sometimes, it can probably seem a little bit foreign to us. Here's a man who's probably, he's, he's closer to my age than he is to your age. He's leading hundreds of thousands of people. They're in the desert. They're getting ready to go across the Jordan into this promised land, this land that the Lord has promised to give them. The Lord says, I'll be with you, and he says, be strong and courageous. And, and in some ways, I think that we can ascribe sort of a heroic setting to the whole scenario. We can sort of call up scenes in our heads of uh, movies we've seen, you know, sort of like, um, what is it in... What, we're Covenant College, so we always use um, Tolkien references, right? Um, Lord of the Rings, right? That's a, that's a, that's a good place to camp. So the, in the two towers, remember right at the end, remember when they're just about ready to collapse and the riders of Rohan and Gandalf have shown up and they ride down the hill. I mean, it's, it's easy to sort of see a scene like 
that and think of it like this. Be strong and courageous. There's a rider on a white horse who is with you. Be strong and courageous. And that's true. I think it's very true that in those sort of heroic settings, it's absolutely true. But I wonder if there's something more here that's at play. So let me keep going. Be strong and courageous for... I shall, um, I shall give this people possession of the land which I swore their fathers to give them. He says again in verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it, turn, turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. He goes on, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, you will make your way prosperous and you'll have success. So, how does it go? I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Follow my commands. Be obedient. Those are the three steps. Those are the three things that the Lord is sort of speaking to Joshua about, that he is exhorting him in. And those three things are absolutely connected. Be strong and courageous. I'm sorry, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Follow my commands. You can think about how this might go like this. Oftentimes, um, I wonder if our temptation to be disobedient is really a lack of courage and a lack of trusting in the Lord and his goodness and his presence with us. Those things are connected. Let me give you an illustration. Um, Grant was a little bit generous in his introduction. I, I appreciate some of the things I've gotten to do, but one of the things, uh, one story I want to share with you in my background, um, when I used to fly transports in Europe, so in the late 90s there was a war going on in the Balkans, in the former Yugoslav Republic, um, and so that, that country had fractured as a result of the, the, all sorts of political things that were happening in Europe. But, but there was a, uh, that the, the Balkans were basically in, in turmoil, and there were peace talks that were going on. And one particular morning I show up to my unit, and I have a, I've been tasked on an airlift mission to carry a delegation made up of Croatians, Serbians, and Bosnians, um, back to their home, they're basically back to their homes. And so these are three factions who are at war with one another, and this delegation of about 30 or so guys re have representatives from each country, and our mission is to take them back to each of their places. And usually a VIP mission like this would be carried by, in, in a fancy airplane, I didn't fly fancy airplanes, I flew unfancy transports, C-130 transports, um, and the reason why they're flying in an airplane like mine is because it's, it's got stuff on it to, to deflect missiles if they're coming at you or people are shooting at you because we're going into a combat zone. And so, so we, get, we show up to the unit, um, I show up to my squadron, we get our passengers loaded up, we have all the stuff going on, and we're just about ready to start engines, and my flight engineer, who's the guy in charge of sort of the, the maintenance or how the airplane is, is going to run, comes to me and says that we have a hydraulic problem, we have a leak. And so it's sort of a pain because we have to have everybody unload and we have to switch to a new airplane and it's, it's going to stretch things out. 
And so we go ahead and we go through the, the whole rigmarole of that. We switch to the new airplane and we, we end up taking off and we're sort of on, our, on route to our first destination. And we have a problem with one of our engines. Not a big problem, it's not anything that's terrifying. The airplane has four engines. It's kind of designed to routinely lose an engine and fly on three. Um, but uh, it's an old airplane. And so anyway, um, but we end up having to think, you know, listen, we're not going to be able to do this. We have to turn around and come back and land. We still have time to carry out the mission. The mission actually is a pretty high priority mission. Our, our unit would get, would, based upon the, um, when you got certain missions, they had a priority level given to them. Um, priority 1B was presidential support for the US president. Priority 1A was what this particular mission was because of the nature of it. And so there was a lot of emphasis to make sure that this mission would go that it would be sort of, um, that it would not fail. And so, so we come back around and we land, we look at the clock and we say, do we have enough time to make this happen? Because one of the things that we have to be concerned about as a crew is do we have enough time that you, you, can't, you, can't just, you can't just work long, long hours when you're flying an airplane. You have to, your crew day can only be 14 hours, 16 hours. 16 hours is the max just because you don't want crew members to get tired and fall asleep and bad things would happen and so but it looks like even though we're gonna have to switch we're gonna have to land and switch to a third airplane it looks like we'll have enough time to um, to still make this happen and so we land we switch to a third airplane we go through the whole rigmarole of that again and then uh, we take off and we're en route to our first destination we're en route to our second destination we drop them off we en route to our third destination we drop them off as well We've got all our passengers unloaded and we're heading back home. Now it's been, um, we're gonna blow through the 16 hour limit, but I, as the aircraft commander, have the authority to extend the crew duty day to 18 hours. So I can push that to 18 hours and I make the decision, we all wanna get home. It's been a long, long day if you've been working and flying for that long. And so, um, so it looks like, so I asked my navigator and I say, hey, are we gonna get back home within the 18 hour window. And he says, absolutely, the wind is at our back. We're doing good. We're gonna, um, <laughs> when I say the wind is at our back, it makes it sound like I'm flying a sailboat. No, it's not like that. I mean, winds actually matter with airplanes. And so, uh, so the wind is at our back and um, looks like we're gonna make our way. We're gonna get there inside of 18 hours. Everything will be great. So we're heading on home. Um, we, we pass over some of our divert fields where we could have landed if we had to, but everybody wanted to get home. And again, it had been a long day. I think one of my guys in my crew had a, one of his kids was having a birthday party the next day or something. Anyway, so we, we're getting, we're, we're making our way and about, about an hour out from home, we run into a headwind and it slows us down. And we end up landing um, and we, we taxi in and we end up landing and taxiing in, and it's about 18, minute, 18 hours and 10 minutes past. We, we broke our crew duty day by 10 minutes. 10 minutes is what we, we busted it by. Um, now, it's not the end of the world. Everything is safe. We've done what we were supposed to do. Um, we've discharged our mission. But by 10 minutes, we overstepped our boundaries. And so what's the significance of that? You might think, well, that's not a big deal. 10 minutes, you've been talking for 
15 or 20 plating, and so kind of move on. Um, <laughs> 10 minutes, 10 minutes, it's just 10 minutes. And so I get back into the squadron, we check everything in, we, you know, we do all of our sort of post-flight stuff, and we go back into the, in the squadron, and I have to write down what time we blocked in at. I have to write down on a sheet the fact that we had gone over by 10 minutes. I could have written in 18 hours exactly, or I could have written in what actually was true, 18 hours and 10 minutes. And at that point in time, I was tempted to write 18 hours. I was tempted to fudge 10 minutes out of an 18 hour day. I was tempted to fudge there. I was tempted to not be courageous, to not be honest, to not be truthful. It was a small thing. Who would have known that I wrote 18 hours instead of 18 hours and 10 minutes? I imagine that probably the guys on my crew would have known and would have probably seen that or heard about it, but, but maybe largely, I don't know who would have figured that out. I was tempted to not tell the truth there. I was tempted to not be strong and courageous. I was tempted to not remember that the Lord was with me. And so I took a deep breath and I wrote 18 hours and 10 minutes, my little stubby pencil, and I moved on. And I went home that night, it was late at night. I went home and then first thing the next morning I woke up and I called my commander, my squadron commander on the phone um, and I couldn't get in touch with him. It was a Saturday morning, I called him. I called the number two guy. I kept calling like every hour, all weekend long, and I couldn't get in touch with either one of them. And the reason why is because I figured it would be better for them to hear from me that I had blown through this crew duty day, which was actually a huge deal. I figured it would be better for them to hear from me than for them to come in and seat on, on the, on the sign-in sheet. So I tried to call them, tried to call them, never got in touch with anybody. Monday morning, I walk into the unit, and sure enough, there's my boss standing right there, and he has smoke coming out of his ears. He is furious at what I've done. And so, and, and I'm, mind you, I'm in my mid-30s here. I'd never been yelled at before like I was by that man that day. Um, it was amazing. It was profound, and it's kind of, you know, what you would expect sort of in military scenes. To be sure, I had made a bad call. We should have landed. Um, but I'm thankful that I wrote down the truth, that I had an ounce of courage there to actually write down what was true. And, and, and at the end of the, so how does the story end? The story ends, yes, I get berated. Um, in the end though, I think, you know, it turns out this whole thing works for my good in the sense of, uh, you know, my bosses know that I will, or they think that I will tell the truth no matter what the situation is. And so it actually works in my favor and it sort of helps. Um, and I'm thankful that I did that. But the bottom line is though, the thing that I want to share with you and the thing that I want to encourage you in is that when the Lord says, I am with you, be strong and courageous, follow me, be obedient. This isn't, those things aren't disconnected. His presence is what stirs us and what moves us. His promises, his, he knows the reason why he's telling Joshua to be strong and courageous is because he knows that what he's about to embark on 
is to have flagging con uh, confidence, to have, to, have, to, to have a weak sort of sense of, you know, of courage. And so he wants to encourage him in that. And, and, and what I want to encourage you guys and gals in this morning is that those things, those events, those episodes are probably not so much these grand sort of, you know, on the cusp of battle kind of a thing, those scenes. Those things are going to happen today. Those things have already happened this morning in your lives. Those things are going to happen as you go throughout the day and as you go out throughout the week. And the Lord would say to you, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Follow me. Meditate on my word. Be faithful to me. I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Follow me. That, that is the whole thing right there. And that's really what I want to encourage you in. So as you think about what you're going to be about today, or about the things, the assignments that are before you this coming week, the things that are coming up, the challenges, the challenges that you have, whatever those things might be, let me encourage you in that. To know that the Lord is with us, and that's why we do this three times a week, right, in chapel, to be reminded of the Lord's presence in our lives. And the reason why speakers usually stand up here and share with you out of God's word is because this word is enduring. It leaves a mark in ways that you probably don't even know. And I hope that it leaves a mark in you, um, an impression on you, that when you are tempted in the hundreds of literally thousands of decisions you make every day, when you are tempted to do something contrary to the Lord's word, that you would be assured of his presence and that you would be courageous, that you would be encouraged in that. I was gonna make three points I only got to the first point. Maybe sometime Chaplain Lowe will invite me back so I can share some of the other points with you. Well, let me close this in prayer. Lord, the fact that you are with us, that you are present with us, that you are in this place, not only are you in this place, but that you even dwell inside of your people by your spirit is a profound truth. My prayer is that each of us would know that, would sense that, would realize the power of that, that you dwell in us and that you are calling us to be courageous, to be strong in great things to be sure, but in the mundane and in the normal things of life. And Lord, that we would be encouraged by that to again walk in the truth, to walk in the joy and the delight of obedience, to feel your pleasure and the goodness of this place. We thank you for calling us here. We look forward to what you have in store for us. I pray for these students as they consider, especially these seniors, as they think about what will come after Covenant College, what will come after graduation, what will come after this coming May. I pray that you would encourage them, that you would encourage them in your word, that your spirit would build them up and would strengthen them. pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Peace.